I'm Professor Neil Feinstein, and this is Conversations with the Creators, sponsored by St. John's Master's Program in Integrated Advertising Communications. Ideas thrive here. Uh, This season's theme of Conversations with the Creators is making a difference, which is why Tom Kennan is the perfect guest. When you go to Tom's LinkedIn profile, the banner at the top reads, Free Radicals. And that pretty much sums up Tom. Free Radicals is an amalgamation of strategy confederates that Tom founded in 2014. Their mission is to create value-rich outcomes for businesses they work with. Uh, At his core, Tom is more than a radical. He's a researcher and a strategist who shares his knowledge as an adjunct professor. His focus is on business and marketing ethics, which led him to write The Big Leap and Ethics of Insight. But of all his titles, my favorite is The Insight Whisperer. So let's start there. Tom, welcome. Hello. Thanks for taking time to speak with my students. Thank you, Neil. It's wonderful to be here. Tell me, Tom, what exactly is an insight? An insight, as I understand it, is nothing more than an articulation of a very particular zone of human desire. Okay. I think I think that that's about as that's about as, as specific and, and 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 discreet and I think common plain language I can get. Okay, so zone of what did you say zone of human desire? Yeah. Mhm. So and usually it has to do with something that is an expression of some sort of yearning, an expression of some sort of need, an expression of some sort of want, an expression of some sort of of problem issue or challenge that we as a business can solve for. So at its core, an insight is emotional. Without a doubt. And, And one of the keys to briefing with a fresh and deep insight is to, and what I like to say is you, you, you populate some briefing tools with these insights and they're almost always primarily emotional, but also psychographic and attitudinal in nature. Can they be behavioral? Yes. And, and, and in fact, I would argue that they're at a superficial level we apply them as behavioral um, keys into human need and desire. But fundamentally, at their, at their lowest and most actionable depth, the behavioral and, and, and demographic are, I think, very superficial layer insights. The true deep insights where we get amazing briefs and then thus amazing products or marketing or content come from much deeper, much more emotional uh, and psychographic insights. So would you say that behavior is really the manifestation of the emotional human that, and that's where the insight lies? It's, it's, it's a very interesting question. And in fact, I was um, lecturing last night to a group of folks. It was a masterclass in, uh, in social media. 
And uh, and one of the things I cited was from, you know, I, I teach to the book, the, and one of the chapters is a uh, an insight that I stole completely from Seth Godin, who I know that both of us are big fans of. And um, the the insight, uh, this chapter, nine from the Big Leap, is is called People Like Us Do Stuff Like This. And I stole it shamelessly from 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 Seth. And but what what I think is hiding underneath that is one of of Godin's most primary assertions, which has to do with behavior, which has to do with change, because fundamentally, as Seth Godin will tell us, and I think you and, and I have been telling our clients and our students and ourselves this for many years, is people do not wake up in the morning wishing and wanting for whatever wonderful value you have to present in the form of your marketing or your products or anything like that, that everything we do is a humble introduction and interruption of their day. And everything we do is in the service of maybe getting them to change behavior towards us right. just for a second or so. And so to your question, Neil, which I think is a fundamental one, is he's, Seth Godin says that all behavior is grounded in a need to bond tribally, familially. Um, uh, ethnically, um, communally with people like us. So I think that, yes, ultimately how we use our insights in the form of a brief and the, and the things and the strategies and the content that they create is in the service of getting people to change their behavior towards us. But it almost always happens in the context of their need to identify, to belong, to be secure, to affirm their place in the group. Oh, that's that's fascinating. So, really, the reason behind the behavior is where the insight lies. How do you exactly. get, how do you how do you do you have a process? How do you get to those insights? I mean, that that it seems to me that if you don't have that insight, you cannot unlock whatever marketing that you're going to do. Without a doubt, and and in fact, it it, it to to sort of frame the challenge as you do is 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 even more, I think, urgent because I think where we are right now in the world of brands and businesses and, 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 and worlds um, is that advertising is not up for the job, I think, of creating these moments of value, these moments of heightened experience, these moments of humbly showing up to say, as Godin also says, I made this for you. Mm-hmm. So that we need, so that our old advertising insights, which as, as, as we were talking about moment ago were primarily you know demographic and or behavioral you know uh, especially digital advertising insights um don't work anymore so that to your point neil we need deeper fresher more troublingly deeper and fresher insight for this new marketing i believe and so the way the way i try to get at those deepened insights is usually and almost exclusively through um, a different kind of research. Mm-hmm. And, and as I've been doing for the last 9, 10, 12 years with a couple of, of Maverick uh, colleagues is to sort of um, proselytize and practice and, 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 per- and perfect as much as we can a new process leveraging digital ethnography, oh. video ethnography, and, 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 and in situ, you know, old-fashioned ethnography to leverage these insights. Because I don't think that surveys or focus groups are going to get us the sufficiently deep data 
and into human desire to surface and articulate the insights we need for this new marketing. So in order to do this new marketing, you truly have to understand the people that you're communicating to, communicating with, trying to engage. Um, and I think that's really interesting because in your book, which is, you know, what I've read of it is just fascinating and it's highly personal. Um, you start the book uh, talking about your very personal story and the lesson that you took away, and I quote from your book, is to leverage your own lived experience as an open and ongoing lab for human insight production. Yeah, and and I tell you, um, it's hard, as I'm sure you will attest, when when you when you recognize in yourself the the desire for affirming the desire for happiness the desire for 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 belonging and 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 its lack and and the, and 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 the potential confusion or mania or 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 hubris that comes from this lack of internal self insight you realize what the challenge is like when you're going to try to find that insight about someone else so yes i i do believe that i not i could but, and and to reference our where we, we, we were just discussing about you know fresher deeper insights for a different kind of marketing, the, I think the insights into traditional the insights that we applied and you know you and I have been around for a long time and in direct and advertising and digital and social and everything else, and and I know that the the insights that we got from traditional research that we applied to traditional uh, marketing that ended up being in many cases advertising level marketing. Um, we're meant to stimulate desire. And I think what I have learned in my personal journey and in my research and in my applied insights into the marketing and the business strategies that I've been trying to develop over the last 10, 12 years, I've learned that, that what's required are insights for this new marketing that instead of stimulating desire, serve desire. And, and so I think that that's impossible without a really, really deep sense of humility and a really, really deep sense of empathy and a really, really deep sense of some kind of grace. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, getting to your point that in my personal journey, um, as I got closer and closer to my own sense of affirming, I realized that 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 it is a fearless process of, of, of empathy, humility and grace. So I try to apply that in my work as well. So you told you do talk in your book. You do talk about the three characteristics of more ethical and impactful behavior. Are those the three characteristics? I think so. I think they are. And it's funny because only in in, in developing this sort of teaching the modules around some of these chapters that I that I wrote over the past year and published in May have I have I come to understand that. So it's it's a lab. Like I say, it's a lab, and it's always open, and we're always working. So. Um, I do think so. And, but again, and I hate to, hate to keep coming back to, to someone that we all know and love, but I think, it, I think that, he, that Godin gives us this insight into this idea. He says we have to show up humbly. Mm -hmm. And boy, do I think that that is a, a lesson and, or an axiom that's missing from almost all the other marketing courses or, 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 or lessons that I've learned on Madison Avenue, because advertising usually is, is anything but humble. And I think that this is a big challenge. So in your search for insight, how do you show up humbly? <laughs> 
It's really, really, really interesting question. My uh, one of the things that you get from uh, an, a, a, an observational methodology, like let's say digital ethnography, where we take keywords and we build these queries and we put them into tools like Talkwalker or Sysmos or Meltwater, and we scrape conversations and we analyze them. So that's the process, right? And when you do that, if you get relatively decent at these queries that that, that then give you a sample of all of this massive noise and, and unstructured conversational data, and you begin to understand the task of analysis is, is we call it listening, but it's reading. Mm -hmm. And you, you get lost in these conversations. And as you, you know from your own work, you know, when, you, when you get lost down these rabbit holes of people on healthcare forums talking about their yeah. that weird little thing in the back of their neck that they finally decided to take a look at and asking other people, or you get on these parental forums, or you get on these tech forums, or you get on a subreddit around beauty, and you find a post from someone asking a question and you find six or 700 comments, all of a sudden you realize you forgot to eat lunch, Neil, and all of a sudden you come away from these, these, these immersive moments as a fly on the wall and, and listening to people talk. And then the language of, of confusion, the language of fear, the language of admonition, the language of love, the language of support, the language of informing, all of these things taken as a whole, the analyst, the researcher, is 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 put into this extraordinary place that that without humility, you'd have absolutely no idea how to benefit from the insights that you've witnessed to. So yeah, I think it's it's you see that people and many people will say, ah, it's Reddit, you know, it's a bunch of you know script kiddies complaining about the you know fashion, <laughs> whatever. Nah, there's a there's a Reddit for every there's a subreddit for everybody and yeah. or 20 of them. And so, yeah, I think that one of the things that this new immersive ethnographic, you know, uh, observational research methodologies have taught me is humility is table stakes. So 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 humility, it means turning off your ego, letting you know, forgetting you. It's not about you. It's about that person. And in a way, that is a route to empathy, which is the other thing, because by pulling your emotions, pulling yourself out of it and saying, who is that person? What does that person care about? Why? What is making that person cry, happy, concerned, worried? That's really um, how you get to empathy. Is Am I correct in that statement? Oh. So, 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 so strong, Neil. Exactly. I mean, and as we know, you know, anybody can do sympathy because sympathy says, yeah, I, I understand how you feel. And empathy is like, oh, I feel what you feel. And that's that's a terrifying proposition when you think about it, because right. I'm, it's tough enough that we're responsible for our own feeling. But now to actually take on, you know, the feelings of, of the other is an extraordinary moment. And I got to tell you, one of the things that it has taught me when it comes down to uh, uh, applying these insights, articulating them, briefing with them, and then applying them in the form of some sort of product or marketing or whatever, is that when when you you produce stuff with these insights, they're, they they present and they they enter into the human experience in a startling way. And I think one of the things that this has taught me 
and again, I, I, I relied, as, as I think I've bored you with in the past, uh, my, some of my more esoteric readings of, of, of post-structural French theorists like uh, Gilles Deleuze yes. and Felix Guattari. You didn't bore me, not at all. <laughs> not at all. And one, and, but one of the things, Neil, that it is has it is taught me and that I practice is that, that this idea of subjectivity itself is what needs to be challenged. And so empathy leads you through some interesting doors. And what I think you realize is that, that when you show up, instead of trying to stimulate desire to sell people something, uh, you serve desire, you're in, you're in the you're in the production, but you're in the producing value business. You're in the taking insight and turning it into and about desire mm -hmm. and serving desire in ways that are generative. So that's why we like to say that insights that are this deep become generative. And that goes all the way back to our business strategy and our product strategy and our service strategy, as well as our marketing strategy. So it's through, it's so very much a lot of your work is all about creating value and i'm not talking about oh you know value oh you can save money or oh this will make you smarter or right. something it's creating value um and that is that is at the core of your free radicals work that you're doing with the other researchers how what is what is the connect you know value is important i think that we all for years in, in marketing advertising where you always talk about what is the value proposition? But it sounds to me like you're talking about a different kind of value proposition. And at the core of that value proposition and the way you're approaching it is this kind of ethical approach to companies delivering for customers. Yes, yes. And 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 it's it, 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 you, you get at probably one of my, my most confounding um um, junctures, which is this that is defending and explaining and exploiting this this the the, the, the extraordinary uh, momentous meaning of this one word value. So here's a here's a good example. I, I like to give myself anyway. Is I think that there is a uh, I'm writing a chapter right now in in the volume two of the Big Leap um, that is. That is title in each of the chapter is ostensibly is an insight that we explore them with with some research and supporting evidence and then some cases and then some ideas about how to apply it. And in this case, the the insight, it may sound clumsy, but it's it's it's, it's turning out to be, I think, fairly rich. The insight is we're all together. Out here. And what I think is underneath this insight when it comes into keying into human desire is this sense of and it's not it's not about us against them i mean that's a superficial way of understanding we're all together out here so let's let's you know and it's not even about as some of my cases that i begin to build the case for uh, suggest about paying it forward it is something deeper about this idea of value value that serves shared desire in the form of an idea or a message or, 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 or a product or, 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 or some sense of affirmation. Here's an example. Almost everything um, I think that's possible in the world of brands behaving in this new way, in other words, a more ethical and impactful kind of business behavior, all right, which is you know, we used to call marketing, um, builds a different kind of brand. 
Right. And it builds a brand that means something very particular to a very particular type of people. Right. And and one of the things I think is important to this, I was asked a question about this last night in in in, in as in the QA. They said, Oh, is this more ethical and impactful, you know, business behavior as marketing? Is it about consensus? And I had never heard the question before. And I said, you know, no, because it's it's about something even more deep. And in fact, it's something that's more conspiratorial. And as I said that, I realized that that is actually not a bad way to think about value because here's here's the situation. I, I, I love to use anthropologists of the, of the last couple hundred years to, 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 to lean on for my evidence that this is how people really are. And one of them is uh, a, a, an academic and French uh, sociologist and ethnographer called Marcel Maus, M-A-U-S-S, who wrote an amazing book called The Gift. And, and it was a, an amalgamation of different researchers in the early 20th century, of mostly you know, white Western Europeans that were going to these far-flung lands of what they called primitive tribes and analyzing and assessing them. They had no written history. They had no books. They, and, and, but they said, these are interesting people. And what they, were, what they understood was something that they seemed to have in common from the Tobriand Islands to Polynesia to the far Inuits in the north, which is this gift economy. And they had, in some cases, this formal feast called the potlatch. And it was a way, in a, a very pre-capital way, of understanding how social economies form and how social economies are populated with social currency. And what I've begun to recognize in my work and in my teaching and in my thinking is that, that if we take Mao's Seriously, and we understand that there is a primitive need amongst people to to again, as Godin tells us, to 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 gain affirmation amongst the the, the clan, amongst the community, amongst the, the the crowd, amongst the family, through these moments of contributing and amplifying and exchanging social currency in these very very particular social economies. This is the essence of value creation. Mm -hmm. And so one of the challenges I, I, I suggest to my, my clients and to my students is, is it, it, that we have to challenge the business at its most fundamental model and say, do we believe a particular thing about the way the world works? And if that is true and we hire against it and we train and we, and we incentivize uh, and we, we bring partners in and, and we go look for customers who share that belief, this is the essence of people like us do stuff like this. This is the essence of we're all out here together. This is the yeah. essence of trying to make value happen for a very particular person mm -hmm. and such that they can't help but go out and bring their friends with them. So this, this is the organic and the potentially, I hate to say the word, viral aspect of value making in these social economies. And it's brave work. And it's not, you can't do it with media or advertising. You got to do it with people that are out there all day long making content and, and, and connecting with people and following them and, and, and liking them and, and tagging them and all that kind of interactive stuff that I think is the new marketing. Right. So, 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 the, so the tools that we have to engage with our customers um, have broadened. Um, oh. uh, yes. <laughs> but but um, the tools that we used to use 
don't seem to be as effective as they were. I mean, clearly advertising is, you know, is a bad guy these days. Not, I don't want to say a bad guy. That's that's wrong. I mean, you know, advertising still does, still is the most efficient way to create, um, oh, I hate to use the word awareness, but, you know, here's this thing, you know, consider it. But it's really way, way, way at the top of the funnel. And then you have to figure out a way to engage a consumer to find, well, actually not even to engage a consumer first, I guess, according to you, is to find that consumer, that right consumer who has the same values that you and your company have. And yes. Create a relationship with that person. Oh, boy. And that's a, that's a very powerful word. Both you and I came from the early days of direct yeah. into digital, into advertising. So right. we understand what that means and and how that feels right. as a business to, to connect at that level, that intimacy. Yeah. And we know it's 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 startling and it's hard. Right. Here's a here's a great case to to I your point that, exactly. Yeah. It, it uh, supreme. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the challenge of every brand, every business, is to rethink you know who we're for and why we matter. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's that's the exercise of identifying the audience and the insight, and that why we matter is this shared belief about the way the world is and not the whole world, but the world when it comes to eyewear or the world when it comes to travel or the world when it comes to you know problematic rashes on the back of my neck that, that I think I'm going to die from. That world, uh, we have to figure out who we're for and why we matter. I lo- and, and, and I think then finding those people in two, two or three or four or 20 or 30 at a time, I think long-term is infinitely more productive and more efficient than what we have come to think of as advertising because it's up here and at least mm-hmm. we can get people to know that we're here. Um, but you look at Supreme. Supreme, is, as you know, is a, is a native uh, New York brand. Um, and there's a, it's one of my favorite cases because they never did any advertising. And all they ever did was they, 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 they started to figure out, you know, among their friends and their people who they, they hung out with what were they missing? What would they want? And, you know, it turned out it was, you know, it was skaters and it turned out that it was T-shirts and, 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 and caps and, 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 and sneakers and, and, and boards. Um, and they made them mm-hmm. and, and they made them uh, and, and the, the production and this and the retail environment where they made them was basically a clubhouse for the people they made them for and their friends and their family. And, and it turned into a culture of, of business and a culture of value that that was almost indistinguishable from its culture of customers and makers and and to me this is this is the task this is the opportunity that every single brand every single business has to ta- has to confront themselves with is figuring out who we're for and why we matter and then being relentless in our singular focus on just making that happen continue to make stuff that matter to the people that matter for us because we share some idea of what matters to us all. And that's, 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 and so you could say that they're a cult brand. You could say that they're a, you know, a street brand. No, they're, they're, they're a business that makes stuff for people and they sell them and they make it a profit. Mm-hmm. And I think they just figured out a way to do it with a kind of marketing where the marketing and the product and the value are indistinguishable from each other. Mm. Value and marketing is indistinguishable. That's a fascinating thought. Job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, well, that's great. Um, thank you for sharing that. I do. I, I, I see we're coming up on time, but I do want to ask you the one 
question that I've been asking. And actually, I've modified it because I usually end my episodes by asking my guests to give one piece of advice to the students who are listening. But for you, Tom, I want you to share your advice for the students on how advertising and public relations and marketing, let's just talk marketing, can make a meaningful impact. Wow. Um, I think uh, it, it comes down to what I, I began to think about about 10, 12 years ago when I started to, to focus on this, this more you know, observational uh, uh, research to get it fresher, deeper, troublingly deeper mm -hmm. insight, which is this, this extraordinary challenge and opportunity, which is that, as you just said, the, the marketing itself takes on a role that, that, you know, that, 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 that trumps anything that, that the Mother Teresa's or the, or the, right. or the Bill Gates or the, wow. and then their foundations could possibly ever do, which is to one community at a time, find people that matter and make their life just a little bit more matterful in right. a way that, that is, is grounded in an ethical and in ultimately impactful, um, you know, view of the world. And so my advice would be this, my, and I, this is the advice I give my students, is when you get your degree, mm -hmm. and as much as you can teach the kind of things that you and I teach um, in an academic environment, which I think we can, I hope that we do, um, that we send them off into the world to, for their, their careers, <laughs> with, for which that justify the, the great investment they just made in yours and my time. Right. Uh, and I say to them, I say, when you go and you, and you begin to interview with the, the companies that might want to you know, access and, and leverage your skills. Um, I want you to turn the tables. I want you to completely reverse the tables in those interviews. And of right. course, as you might imagine, this is tough uh, advice to, to heed because we're, we're trained to go into these interviews hat in hand, bowing right. and scraping, right. you know, saying and doing anything to get the job because you know, I, got, I got all these student loans to pay off. Mm -hmm. And I say, don't do that. Mm -hmm. First of all, pick, 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 only pick the interviews for companies that you think might align with your particular values. Of course. And then when, and when you go into those interviews right after the, you know, the, the pleasantries and the top line stuff, ask them some very specific questions about how do you currently understand your humans that you're the audiences for which you are designed your business and your products for, what do you do to get insight about them? How do you express that? That, that insight in market? How do you show up differently? Is there an ethical pact that you make with each other mm -hmm. and with the world of customers that you honor throughout all of your marketing, all of your product design and all of your, your, your you know, inhabiting the world of people? Ask them these questions, ask them how ethical they are, ask them how they measure impact, true impact in the worlds and the communities that they serve with their products and their businesses and see what they say. Right. Chances right. are they're not going to have some very good answers for you, but by their equivocation or by their humming <clears throat> and hawing or by their reluctance to answer anything meaningfully, you will know a lot about them. Mm -hmm. And you may show them that, 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 that they may learn a little bit about themselves that, in that interview. But regardless, um, every single business that I work with and in my consulting work and in, 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 my, in my, my agency work um, – is facing the exact same existential problem right now as the people that they have, the partners that they have, the agents and and and, and consultants and, and that they have, are not giving them the answers that they need. Mm. And so the generation of students that you and I are are trying to nurture into the world of business and careers, yeah. Neil, yeah, yeah. I think are 
are at the tip of a very, very important spear, and the world needs them. And I, I tell them to be strong and be and, and, and turn the tables in those interviews and find out who those companies are, those rare companies are that are willing to bet on insight that is grounded in a deeply ethical agreement between the people they're for and why they matter. It's the world we live. The world of ethics. That's it. That's it. That is that is where we are today. And 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 thank goodness that you're sending students off into the world saying, be ethical, <laughs> find those well, companies I, that are ethical, that match you and then and then just further their mission. Exactly. Thank you so much, Tom. You're fantastic. Uh, my pleasure, Neil. What a great, great, great pleasure it is to chat with you about stuff like this. This has been Conversations with the Creators, sponsored by St. John's Master's Program in Integrated Advertising Communications. Thanks to all our guests, my colleagues Professor Audrey Siegel-Mavora, Kevin James, Christine Munk, and our producer Miriam Prever. Keep on ideating.